This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. The National Broadcasting Company invites you by transcription to join the Cape. animal world, there is the hunter and the hunted. Hound and fox, hawk and sparrow, chicken and worm. We in the topmost species have also joined the hunt. But who is to judge precisely which of us are hounds or foxes as we enter the chase? There is the chase for glory and the chase for fame. There is also the desperate flight a man will make from his own conscience. You like the fights, mister? Who's your choice for top man, pound for pound? Dempsey, Lewis, Sugar Ray? All great boys. But you must have heard of Joey Celeste. He was the greatest battler weight for weight that ever threw a cross. And I ought to know because I managed a hundred bugs in my time. And those I didn't manage, I saw. Joey had everything. Speed, guts, and a bomb in either hand. He would have been lightweight, welter, and middleweight champ all in one. If. <laughs> ah, but that's one big if, mister. I'll tell you a story if I still got time. Yeah, I still got time. First I ever saw Joey was in a Mexican hash house over on 3rd Avenue. I got a yen for a bowl of chili that afternoon, and as I set myself down and waited to give my order, I noticed a busboy clearing some dishes a couple of feet away. He was small, about 5'8", maybe. Built slim but wiry, like a dancer, and he was singing with a smile on his baby face. What are you so happy about, Sonny? Who, me? Yeah. I'm always happy, senor. Oh. I mean, uh, mister. <laughs> I must remember I'm no more in Mexico, see? Uh, pardon, I, I cleared the table. Don't they have any waiters in this dump? Oh, the waiter, he'll be here soon, senor. Solas. Hey, Solas. Mr. Monks. Where's my dough? Mr. Monks, I... Senor, please, I ask you not to come here. If I lose my job, Who I... cares about your lousy job? Where's my dough? I get it for you. When? Next week. You said that last week. Senor. Oh, senor me, you punk. You make a loan of 40 bucks. Two months ago, you're supposed to pay me back 75. I get my dough, I take it out of your hide. 75 for 40? I've seen loan sharks before, mister, but you take the prize. Keep your nose out of this. Senor, you please take your hand from my coat. You little chiseler out of bust every bone in your body. Senor, please, the coat. I ask you once more. I ought to take you and your old lady and... <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it. It happened just after the big guy said something about the kid's mother. The kid was still holding a tray full of dishes in his right hand, and he didn't bother to put it down. He just crossed with his left from the waist and caught the big lone shark on the kisser. And so help me, the punch lifted him at least two inches from the floor. And when he hit, he hit like a stiff, out cold. Madre mia. 
Now I lose my job. Never mind your job. Come outside with me, kid. Well, Senor Monty's on the floor. Stop by. going to come out. I want to talk to you. What's your name? Juan. Juan Solis. In the States, they call me Joey. Ever fight professionally? Senor? Fight, box, in the ring. I'm not boxer, senor. How would you like to be? Me? Listen, I'm a fight manager. Mike Gaff is my name. I ain't making any promises. But there's a chance you could learn a racket to make out fine. The left I just saw was dynamite. If you got a right just like it, we'll make some money. Money? I make some money, Mr. Gaffer? This I need very much. What are you getting now? Bus boy, senor? Yeah. Well, I've only been in this state for one year, senor, but... I make $28 a week. They promised me a raise. How would I... you like to get 100 a week? $100, senor. When you start to learn something, maybe 200 or even 5 You got to work hard for it, kid. You got to learn a lot before you even get a crack at a two-bit preliminary in Hoboken. Senor, for that money, I work like a slave. What a meal. $500. Here, take this card to Jim on 48. Come up there tomorrow around 1. See. Si. We'll see if you got something else to sell outside of a good lesson again for Moolah. See, si, senor, I come. But, uh, senor, you, you know, tell my mother, see? Your mother? My mother, she's getting old. She would worry. She'd not like for me to be box fighter. We, we, we keep it quiet, yes? Just uh, between you and me? All right, all right, whatever you say. I got a blow now. Tomorrow at one at Frankie's gym. And come ready for work. Looking back on it now, that was a day for Joey Celez and for Mike Gaffer, too. When I gave him that card, I figured I might have a pretty good prelim boy if he learned fast enough. Maybe a sparring partner for a couple of my boys. I didn't know that Joey Celez was going to be the biggest lightweight draw since Benny Lennon. He was green, all right, to begin with. But he was hungry, mister. And give me a hungry boy when it comes to chasing that title down the line. After I gave him a couple of lessons, he learned real fast. And pretty soon I had him sparring away with the cauliflower set. And then one afternoon at the gym, he was ready for action. Keep your right higher, Joey. Higher. Count of that left lead. Box him, kid. Box him. Uh, okay, come here. Mr. Gaffer. I do all right. Confidentially, you stink. Senor? You ain't do nothing but hopping around. You want to learn a rumba, go to dancing school. But you tell me to box him, I box. Or you tell me to knock him out, I knock him out. You what? I knock him out. Now listen, hot stuff. You know who you're sparring with? Sailor Coy. He's not only been boxing for 15 years, but he's 20 pounds bigger than you. I told him special to take it easy and not to hurt you. So don't start bragging about what you're going to do. You want me to knock him out, senor? Yeah, knock him out. Okay. I felt sorry the minute I said it, but he got me sore. Yeah, I was trying to teach the little bum how to use his hands, and he's bragging like a rooster already. Sailor Coy was past his prime and shagging cash for working the boys out in the gym. But he had a punch, and he knew every hook and jab in the book. If he got the sailor mad, I was losing myself a slim boy. Mr. Gaffer! Now? Now what? Should I knock him out now? Yeah, now. And he did, too. I couldn't believe my eyes. He fainted with his left like an old pro, and the sailor dropped his guard just three or four inches, but that was enough. Joey's right cut in like a bullwhip. 
And it took us over 20 minutes to bring the sailor back to life. That was the start of it. From that point on, I started to treat my boy like an up-and-coming champ. I got him four bouts in a row in Jersey, and he made it four KOs, all in round one. Well, he was fighting bums then, maybe. But this kid was still green. And yet they couldn't touch him with a baseball bat. After Jersey, we fought at Coney Island, Stanford, and the small arenas in and around New York. I found that what I had on my hands was that one-in-a-million shot, a natural boxer who fought by instinct and paralyzed anything he hit. And after Joey's 18th knockout, even the newspaper started to give him some notice. Hey, how do you like this, Joey? Your name's in the papers. Listen to what they wrote. Joey Chalez, a promising fighter. Young Mexican lightweight reaches his 18th KO due for better competition. How do you like that, huh? I think so, too. You do, huh? Sure. When I fight the champion, Mr. Gaffer. Relax. Relax, Joey. You got a long way to go before you meet the champ. You're still in the minor leagues, kiddo. We'll change all that after this coast-to-coast trip we're making. You'll meet all the best second raters and some of the boys who are in line for a crack at the crown. When we get back from this tour, Joey, you can start talking about meeting the champ, and it won't sound like a yak anymore. Excuse me. Yeah? Who? Downstairs. Wait a minute. Hey, Joey. Yes, Mr. Gaffer? This clerk says your mother's downstairs. See, uh, I, I asked her to come here to the hotel room. Well, I thought she didn't want it to know you were a fighter. Well, Mr. Gaffer, my mother, she find out. And now that I must take this trip with you, she... Well, she wants to speak to you. Hmm. Yeah. Hello. Uh, send Mrs. Salaz up. Mr. Gaffer... Maybe you, you talk to her alone, huh? I, I go into the bedroom. What'll I say to her? Well, tell her not to worry. You know just what to say. Uh, I'm sure she likes you, Mr. Gaffer. She likes you very much. She liked me, all right, in the pig's eye. I could see on her face the minute she walked in that she thought I was murdering her son. It was a little old party, maybe five foot tall, with wrinkles in her skin and small bony hands. But it was her eyes that got me, big round black marbles that looked straight at me without blinking. Where is my boy, senor? Where is Joe? Uh, he'll be out in a minute, Mr. Chalaz. Uh, sit down. Why you make my boy a fighter, senor? Why you not leave him alone? Uh, that's not the way to act, ma'am. I'm going to make him champ one day. I'll bring you in a load of pacers like you never saw before. Fighting is dangerous. I don't want my joy to be hurt. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of him. Juan is a good boy. When we come here from Mexico, he promised he'd do what I say. His fighting is bad. I am sorry, senor, he ever met well, me. I love her, Harry. I'm doing your boy a favor. I tell you, I'll be famous someday, Mrs. Salaz. Be famous and hurt very bad. I know. But I tell you, senor, and I tell you this just once. Well? If something happened to my joy, you will be sorry. You will be sorry, senor, for the rest of your life. I should have known then, but I didn't listen. I passed her up as an old dame with a screw loose. But I found out later how a rat must feel when he's hounded and chased by a bulldog. We started our tour in Chicago with Mickey himself, McGuire. He lasted two rounds. 
Next came Kid Levine in Milwaukee. One round. Jimmy Petrel in Minneapolis. Three rounds. Lefty Gaynor in Omaha. Two rounds. Charlie Preston in Los Angeles. One round. Harry Sapolio in Dallas. Two rounds. And Denver Danny Dalton. 20 seconds flat. It was sensational. Nobody could last with my boy for over nine minutes. And he got faster and stronger as he went along. By the time we hit New York, the press boys were yelling for a title match. And Joey was ready to take the crown. Hey, Joey! Hey, Mike! Guess what, kid? You met me for the title, Mike? No, but it's almost as good. I've signed you for a fight with Jerry McCartan. McCartan. The winner to meet the champ. When is the fight? Eight weeks from today. You're signing the final contract tomorrow. (laughs) But you've already been committed. We'll leave the hotel on Friday, kid, and hop up to the training camp. This one is going to be for cheap. Excuse me. Hello? Yeah? Speaking. Who? Oh, what's he want me for? No, I ain't asking any questions, but I just... Sure. Sure, I'll, I'll be right over half an hour. Who is that, Mike? Well, uh, uh just a friend of mine. Uh, I got to see him about something, Joey. I'll tell you what. You start packing and I'll be back inside of an hour, okay? Hey, Mike. What's the trouble? Mike, you look worried. Worry? <laughs> me? <laughs> What have I got to be worried about? Uh, just do as I tell you, Joey. And uh, wait here till I show. The call was a message from Eddie Rock, one of the toughest tools in town. He wanted to see me, and he wanted to see me fast. And even before I got to his pool room hangout, I had a feeling I knew what was on his mind. What can I do for you, Eddie? I hear you got yourself a fighter, Mike. Joey Celez, you'll be the next champ. Ten ball in the corner pocket, Harry. Fights Jerry McCartan next, don't he? In eight weeks. Okay, so he loses. McCartan? So Les. Eight ball on his side. Now, wait a minute, Eddie. This kid is the best leather pusher the ring has ever seen. Sure he is. I saw him fight. He can't miss in this fight or in the title fight. But he's going to miss, Mike. Yeah? Yeah. The odds will be long. Maybe 15 to 1 on your boy. So I put down a hundred G's on McCartan, and I get back a million and a half. And, uh, what do I get, Eddie? Ten percent. That's a hundred and fifty thousand. Maybe I make a little more if my boy's chance. I ain't asking you, Mike. I'm telling you. But just to be nice about it, you split us two hundred and fifty G's as of now. K.O.? <laughs> K.O.? That's all I got to tell you. Just make sure your boy lays down before the fifth. The deal, Eddie. Wait, wait a minute. How much you got in the bank now, Mike? Maybe 20 G's, why? You're bringing it over to me tomorrow. To you? I'm betting your ward with mine. At 15 to 1, you collect yourself another 300,000. And, Mike? Yeah, Eddie? Make sure you don't also collect yourself a wooden kimono. <laughs> I had to say yes, didn't I? The Rock would have killed me if I didn't. Besides, look at the dough involved. I figured I'd make it up to the kid by letting him bet our way and everything would be hunky-dory. But Joey didn't see it that way when I threw him the pitch about a week before the fight. You want to talk to me, Mike? Yeah, wait wait till I finish this job. Hey, what are you doing? Ah, putting rat poison in these four holes. Next time we hire ourselves a training camp, we'll get bungalows without extra guests. 
Sit down, Joey. I got something to tell you. Sure. What, Mike? Next week when you fight McCartan, you're going to lose. Lose? Why knock him out, Mike? I do it in the second round. Maybe sooner. I said you're going to lose. I don't understand. There are lots of things you don't understand about this racket, Joey, but you'll learn. A guy named Eddie Rock, a killer, he's betting on McCartan, and he wants to win. I bet on McCartan, too, Joey, and so will you. We'll get ourselves a bankroll and... You bet on McCartan? Every nickel I ever saved, Joey. Now, look, the fight racket's tough, and you got to be smart. You won't last forever, but we can make a killing now and get out before you're punch drunk. Well, what are you thinking of? I don't understand. I don't understand about these losing business. Get lay down on the fourth of orders, Savvy. Hey, wait. Where are you going, kid? He walked out without another word. And from that minute on, we never talked, except if it had something to do with training. But I was sure the kid would do like I said, and I kept on being sure until the night of the fight. He went into the first round like nothing was wrong and started to box the ears off Jerry McCartan. This was the way I wanted it because it made the sellout look better. And in the second round, he moved a lot faster and started to pepper McCartan with short right hooks. When he landed a bowl of the McCartan's lip, I started to worry, and the bell saved McCartan from going down for a count. In the third round, Joey really went to work, and I saw he wasn't going to pay any attention to what I said about laying down. I looked over the ringside seats and spotted Eddie Rock with a couple of his hoods, their eyes on me. I knew what Eddie was thinking, and it made my middle turn over once or twice. On top of that, I had all my dough on McCartan. I was getting panicky. About half a minute before the end of the third, I stuck my hand in my pocket for a cigarette and found I was still carrying that tube of rat poison I used in the training camp. I figured a little would slow him up, so I put some inside his water bottle, and he took two swigs just before the fourth round opening gone. I swear I didn't mean to dose him too much. It must have been an accident. But half a minute later, McCartan brushed him with a left, and Joey started to stagger. McCartan hit him once more, and Joey went down. He... He went down, mister, and out the keep. Hi, Mike. Hello, Eddie. Well, here's your cut. Too bad about the kid. According to the papers, that last took him a cart and finished him off. Yeah, that last hook. We're talking about doing a post-mortem on him. Post-mortem? But I hear Joey's old lady talked him out of it. She's Indian, you know. She said it was against her principles. Anyway, he got buried today. I went to the funeral. Oh, that's that. Yeah. That's that. Well, I'll be seeing you, Mike. Oh, uh, I noticed something funny as I came in here to the hotel. Joey's mother. What about his mother? Recognized her because I saw her at the funeral. She's a wacky little doll, ain't she? The way she looks at you gives you the creep. What about her? Take it easy, Tootsie. All I was going to say is that she was standing across the street looking up at the hotel. And I had a feeling she was searching for your window. As he walked out the room, I ran to the window and looked down. First, I didn't notice anything. And then I saw her. She was standing across the street looking up at my hotel window like a zombie on the loose. Twenty minutes later, I was packed and I caught the next train out of town to Chicago. I didn't leave my compartment until we passed Buffalo. 
Then I started getting hungry. As I opened the door to go into the diner, I saw her. My boy is dead. I... Uh, I'm sorry I didn't show up at the funeral, Mrs. Soles, My but... joy is dead. It was an accident, lady. It happens all the time in a racket like ours. It couldn't be helped. You will be sorry, senor. Because you will never sleep again. Joy will be with you always. Always he will be here. And you will never be able to run away from him. Get out of my way, you skinny old crone. Always. He will follow you. Get out of my way. The old lady was nuts. I could see it in her face. But when she pinned her eyes on mine, them little black marbles that looked like they were floating in oil, I felt I could hardly breathe. When I got back to my room, the old lady was gone, so I locked myself in. I took a couple of sleeping pills and then hit the sack. But even with the pills, I couldn't sleep. I kept thinking about Joey's mother and what she said, and I couldn't get my mind off her. And then, just as I was dropping off at last, I heard it. What I've been hearing ever since. I heard it. It couldn't be. The kid was dead. It was in my imagination, that crazy song. I jumped up from my bed and started to yell for the conductor. And suddenly, the voice was gone, just as fast as it came. Conductor! Conductor! I holed up in Chicago at a swank hotel. And a couple of days later, I forgot all about the old doll and that song of Joey's. I was sure I didn't hear what I thought I heard. And as the days went by, I got even surer. <laughs> After all, I, I had a couple of pills in me when it happened. Four or five drinks. That kind of mixture's bad for the nerves. Well, mister, Chicago was as fast as ever. And this trip, I was loaded with dough. I hit the races every day, made all the nightclubs, and got myself some real sweet company to keep me from getting lonesome. <laughs> You're a scat. You're the funniest guy I ever met. And uh, maybe the best-heeled, honey child? Oh, I like them dark, handsome, and rich. And in a pinch, I'll skip the dark and handsome. That's about a little kiss, baby. You great big overgrown baby. Hey! Well, what's the matter, big boy? Isn't the lipstick your flavor? That song. What song? You mean that drunk at the next table? The song he's singing. Tell him to cut it out. What gives we you? Stop it! Cut out that singing! Cut it out, Sam! Uh, you cracked, Missy. You got everybody looking our way. Come on, let's get out of here. Oh, we just... Shut up and let's go! Sure, it was just coincidence. What else could it be? That Mexican song was as old as my grandpa, and every band in the country played it regular. At least I thought it was coincidence. Until the next morning in my hotel room. I had a headache when I went to bed, and I slept late, and by the time I got up and was ready to breakfast, it was almost noon. I slipped into a bathrobe and went into the other room to get me some food. And she was standing in the middle of the floor, dressed in a housemaid's uniform, emptying my ashtrays. Mrs. Solace. You are awake, senor. What are you doing in my room? I clean, senor. You mean you work here? See. Si. Now listen. This ain't funny no more. I'm getting tired of the gag. You've got to stop chasing me around, you understand? No more follow, comprendo. 
What are you? What are you looking at me like that for? My joy is dead. Sure he's dead, and the sooner you get used to it, the better. You kill him, senor. That's a lie. You kill him, and you must pay. Get out of my room. Get out before I throw you out. She kept her eyes on me for another minute, then turned and padded through the door while I poured myself a hooker big enough to choke a horse. And then, just as I put my lips to the glass, I heard her once more coming to the walls of my room just like a ghost. You got my message? Yeah, to meet you at the airport. I wanted to say goodbye. Well, where are you going, honey? Anywhere. Texas first, then California. Oh. Maybe I'll end up in Europe or Siam. It don't make any difference. As long as I get away from her. Who's her, baby? Never mind. Kiss me goodbye, honey child. It's going to be a long time, no see. When you get back to Shy, don't forget to look me up. Especially if your bankroll's still padded. <laughs> Bye, Kush. So long. Uh, what? I wish to get by, please. I am taking that plane to Texas. Excuse me, please. I ran. But the old dame ran fast. Joey must have given her every nickel he ever earned because she always had enough to follow me around. First it was Texas, then California, Montana, New Orleans. I went to Europe and she was there. I came back home and she was here. <laughs> He stuck to me like glue, mister. I couldn't get away. And always, always, I kept hearing that other thing. That voice without a body. That crazy song. Then one night, in a little hot box of a hotel room in Jersey, it happened. It happened like I knew it would happen all along. My hair was getting gray by this time, and my hands were beginning to shake, and I was drinking too much and sleeping too little. And on this one night, I couldn't sleep at all. It was the song again. And this time, I knew something inside of me would snap. I jumped out of bed and put on a small table light near the mirror, thinking I'd start to pop. But in the mirror, staring me in the eye, was Joey's face. Keep away. Keep away from me. I killed you. I poisoned you, you creep. You're dead. You can't come back. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> oh. Who? Who are you? Delaney. Plain clothes squad. Huh? This is the guy, Mrs. Zoles. Do you hear what he says in your policy? You, you can't prove it. You can't. Save your energy, Gaffer. There's a wire recorder under your bed. Uh, a recorder? The old lady put it there. She works here as a washwoman. She also put that picture of a boy on the wall over there. Opposite the mirror. But... But the voice... The thing... She's got a record. Her son made it. She outsmarted you, gaffer. And I've got a feeling she'll follow you right to the chair. Cop was right, too. I admitted everything, all about the rock and everything else. The trial was short, and they set my execution date for now. They'll be coming for me any minute, but you know, I actually don't care. There's a bench in my death cell here. 
If I get up on it, I can look through the small barred window. But I don't want to look no more, mister. Because she's standing there outside the prison walls waiting. Yeah, she's waiting. And she's looking right up here. So I won't care when they pull that switch, Savvy. Because at least, at least, she won't be able to follow me no more. In the animal world, there is the hunter and the hunted, hound and fox, hawk and sparrow, chicken and worm. We in the topmost species have also joined the hunt. But who is to judge precisely which of us are hounds or foxes as we enter the chase? The Chase was created and written for the National Broadcasting Company by Lawrence Cleave. In tonight's cast were Joe DeSantis, Bryna Rayburn, Amzie Strickland, Mandel Kramer, and Donald Buca. Next week, a professional killer joins the hunt when you listen to The Chase. The Chase was directed and transcribed by Dan Sutter. Fred Collins speaking. Tonight, it's Dragnet on NBC.